0: Ever think locums might be a good fit to practice medicine in a fun and lucrative way? If not, our guest is a Hippocratic hustler, and she's gonna show you how much fun it can be. Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights. Just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Newman, and thank you so much for being here. This episode was recorded live at FinCon, which is a huge conference for anyone in financial media. It's where all of us money nerds unite, as they say. But before we jump in, I want to thank Ally for sponsoring the live podcast booth at FinCon 18, which is where this discussion actually took place. You're going to hear some background noise, and it won't sound as crisp as it does when we're recording in the office, but the information our guest provides is stellar. Speaking of our guest, it's none other than the host of The Hippocratic Hustle, Dr. Carrie Reynolds. She's an excellent podcast dedicated to helping women physicians explore the ways to achieve financial freedom. We have an excellent discussion around the pros and cons of choosing to do locum's work, and how it directly affects your finances. So let's jump right in and talk to Dr. Carrie Reynolds on the floor of FinCon. I am so excited to have Carrie Reynolds here from the Hippocratic Hustle. Welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's an honor to have you here. So I want to talk all about locums today. And I know you've had some experiences with it. And so let's kind of just jump right in and just chat about locums.
1: Oh yeah, thank you. Yes, I have had some recent experience with it. Let's see, just a little bit about me and my background. Um, I am a pediatric gastroenterologist and I am I am located in Denver, so that's where I, my home base is, where my family lives and where I live. Basically, I needed to create a little bit more space in my day to work on my side hustles and my projects, one of which is the Hippocratic Hustle Podcast. It's a
0: great show. Yeah,
1: thank you. <laughs> um, so, when I realized I needed more time to pursue all these different things that I was doing, I decided that uh, that I needed to go part-time, and in, in the position I was in, it just wasn't going to be a good fit for me to kind of cut back hours-wise. So I did know of a number of people who were successful at doing locum tenens as a career, mm. and so I looked into it for myself. So ultimately, I decided after you know doing some research and talking to a lot of people that it probably would be an okay fit for me.
0: So let's talk about how did you, once you said, hey, this sounds like it could be a fit. How did you find the work? Where did you go? Um, How did it work? Kind of just walk us through the process a little bit.
1: Yeah. So when I was kind of shopping for a job, essentially, I was still employed at my old employer. So I hadn't really made the commitment to leave. I was happily employed and could have done that for a long time while I sorted out what my next step was. I did find some jobs posted online, and a lot of locum's positions are found via agencies. Of course, there's a number of, of well-known and popular agencies that are you know nationwide that help match physicians into locum's positions, or into permanent jobs for that matter, but I decided that I wanted to use an agency to, to do that. I think it was a good idea because... They were able to do a lot of the legwork while I was still practicing full-time. So definitely one of the things with locums is that it takes a lot of time and effort to do all the credentialing. And that's one of the benefits of working with an agency is that they help you with that. So not only do they help with the credentialing, but backing up, they also help you find the job. So basically, I, I looked online, found some agencies that were advertising jobs in my specialty. And I know a lot of people have gotten all those emails from different companies. So I, I know people are quite familiar with that. So I basically called those companies and just started chatting with them about what positions were available, what the rates were, and we can get into that a little bit later. Please. And ultimately was able to talk to the recruiters and, uh, and determine that it, it, it would be a good fit for me.
0: Okay, so now we've, we've talked to recruiters, we've kind of gone this process, so let's talk a little bit about the finance piece of this. So what did that look like? How did the negotiation work? And and let's maybe go with the pros and cons uh, as, you're, as you're going through potentially this list. Yeah,
1: definitely. Something I didn't know when I was starting off with all of this, what I didn't know is how much my time was worth as a locums. I mean, I had a vague idea, a pretty decent idea of what the average salary was for my specialty. But uh, locums is definitely a whole different category. I mean, they do compensate you for the time and effort that it takes for you to travel away from home to a random place where there may not be the support that you'd have in a you know in a traditional full-time job. So I didn't realize how much I should be charging for the day. So some people may not realize this but with locums often at least in my specialty they pay you by 8-hour days. Um, They'll give you a little stipend if you're taking pager call. They'll give you, in some cases, um, a stipend or hourly rate if you're called back in for an emergency. Or if there's overtime, there may be a different rate per hour for overtime. I think eight hours is pretty standard as far as, as, at least in my specialty, for how they kind of formulate what a day's work is. So they often will pay by the day, and some may pay by the hour, but you can kind of break that down into the eight-hour day and kind of figure out what your hourly rate is or what your eight-hour day's worth is. So when I started off, I talked to one of the recruiters at one of the companies, and she told me what she thought my specialty should make or what my what I should be asking for. And honestly, I didn't know if that was accurate, if it was inaccurate, if it was... If it was competitive, if it wasn't competitive, I honestly didn't really have any frame of reference because we, we as, as a system, you know, amongst physicians, we often don't talk about how much we're paid, mm-hmm. regardless if it's a salaried position or if it's an hourly position or if it's a locum's position. So, we often don't know what is the going rate for our specialty, and that is certainly very true for locum's. So when I started talking to her, I started getting at the idea that, oh, this, this certain rate was what I should be asking for. I wasn't 100% sure that she was being honest with me. I got a little, I just got a little feeling that, that I just wasn't, that she gave me some, some hesitation as far as like, should I just accept this and just go forward? So that kind of put the, the idea in my head that I should ask around. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. And try to see if this was a competitive rate. I mean, after all, I hadn't left my job yet. I still was happily employed with my employer, but I, you know, I had this idea that I wanted to change things up. So I had some time to kind of think about it. So, I went to a Facebook group and just kind of posted out there, hey, how much do you make for locums positions? Good
0: old Facebook. Oh,
1: God. God bless Facebook. There's a lot of information on there. But it really is. It's like the hive mind, right, for Mm -hmm. a lot of information. So, I put it out there. I said, how much should I be making? This is what they've quoted me. Is this a good rate? Is this a bad rate? And, of course, there weren't a lot of people who do what I do in that group. I don't know if there was anybody who really had my specialty, but... There were other pediatricians doing other subspecialties, pediatric subspecialties. There were surgeons. There were adult GI. And when I quoted my price, they were like, "Oh no, that is way too low." That it must is be a typo. Way too low, right? Exactly. Okay. So I was just like, "Oh my gosh! Like, what is this? Why is she telling me this when it's not? It's not accurate."
0: Well, there's some inherent conflicts of interest, right? So yes. you think, hmm, this person gets paid a piece of what I get paid and they just want to place me and move to the next one so it could just be a factor of time like take this and i can move on or maybe they've they want more spread like the hospital said hey i'm going to pay 220 an hour but i'm going to tell you 140 cuz we're going to keep a much bigger spread yes you never know but the conflict of interest is present. Yeah.
1: And I mean, and the way she presented it to me too was that, oh, the hospital will never pick you up for that rate. Cause I, I then expressed to her, in order for me to quit my full-time job, I needed a certain rate. I did the math. Like, I knew how much I wanted to work. I knew how much I was making before in my full-time salary position. So when I did the math, I needed to make a certain amount. And what she quoted me was much lower. And I, I came back to her and I said, I, I need this much. And she's like, oh, no one will ever pay you that much. She's like that is much. That's much too high, and I was just like, oh, okay. But then again, of course, like I said, I, I wasn't in a hurry. I had a position. I, I can't. I couldn't make that choice for my family to leave my job without having something to fully replace my salary. It's not where we are financially. I can't. I can't just willy nilly take whatever. So, um, so that definitely made me think that I need to think about this and really try to get what I could get for, for a salary for, for the locum's position.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Cause you were, you were, I know you talk all about finance. So you're very in tune with it, but you thought through it and said, look, you know, I need this amount. This is what I'm currently making. I need this amount. And then you paused and you went, Hmm, I'll do some more research and then went and evaluated with your own finances, how this would look. So, okay, now that we've got this piece, where did, how does this end? Where did, where did you go from here? <laughs>
1: So, ultimately I told her I can't take that low rate that you're that you're offering me I said no I, I just can't I can't leave my job for them and basically ended the conversation there and what about my life for about two days
0: <laughs> okay I was about to say two years I was like oh wow no no, two days no. okay
1: it took two days for her to call me back and be like
0: oh, oh she oh, called the you site back actually
1: changed their minds okay. they actually no, they changed their minds. They will take you for that rate that you wanted,
0: mm. which
1: literally made me laugh out loud. <laughs> Basically, I, I called her bluff, essentially.
0: So when you were looking at these rates, and, and please don't discuss the rates, but like when you were looking at this, is this something that you think would be a detriment to someone that's full-time that wants to do locum's work? Is it possible to make a full-time real salary in your specialty what you should be paid by doing locum's work, or is it... Something that just kind of comes in as almost like moonlighting, right? Some people, you do that.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty well compensated for, you know, for the time and effort that you have to put in to travel. I mean, you lose, there's the day of travel that you're not getting paid and things like that, so you have to take that into consideration. But overall, I am able to work many less days than I did when I was full-time and break even with my salary position.
0: Mm-hmm. And we, I get a lot of questions in the Facebook group about lower pain specialties. So Obviously, you're in peds and specialized, like my wife is peds is palm. And it's one of these things where if you had more of a lifestyle, um, or I should say a work-life balance with this, that locums could actually be something that is really beneficial, that still allows you to use your degree, still keeps your skills sharp, but not necessarily working full-time. You can have a family and still... Obviously your finances have to be under control. You know your spending, your budgeting, and all the other good stuff we talk about. But is this something that's kinda factored into you or anyone that you know?
1: Yeah, so I think one thing that people need to think about is that with Locum's position, it is not a permanent job and you do not have job security like you would with a permanent job where, you know, you just know your job's gonna be around for a while. I mean they could they could terminate your position, but they're gonna give you a three month warning and you probably will see that something's around the horizon, that something's not going well. But with locums, it's not like that. They, they have a 30-day cancellation time. So they can cancel, as long as it's 30 days out, they can cancel with you. And likewise, you can cancel with them, too. So it's equal both ways. But, yeah, it's just the whole nature of the position is that it's temporary. And that's the whole point, is that you're filling in while they're looking for a full-time person, generally, is how it works. Mm-hmm. It may not have the job security that uh, a standard salaried regular old job would have, Um, and I actually ran into that myself. Um, Shortly after I started at the site that I was at, they actually decided to cancel the locums for that site. Really? Yes, yes. How fun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Get to start the
0: process all over again.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I mean, thankfully, I knew that it was, you know, the possibility of it getting canceled at any time is there. And in my own personal financial situation, we are using my salary to pay the student loans, essentially. Okay. So, um, if I am not working, we still have food on the table. We still have a roof over our heads. So, thankfully, it really doesn't change our own personal financial situation all that much. Um, but we are still just under $500,000 in debt of our student loans. So... My husband and I have changed a lot of things in our in our life, in our financial life, to try to throw as much money as we possibly can at the student loans. Mm-hmm. So when I lost this this locums position, it just slows that down. And also just it's actually more frustrating because of the whole credentialing process. It's such a pain in the butt. Very difficult. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was actually what I was thinking. I was like, oh God, I have to go through this again through another with another place. But yeah so I think that's something that people really have to keep in mind and be aware of is that they could terminate you anytime with 30 days notice so you really have to have strong reserves in place to just to have that that backup
0: mm-hmm. and the 500 that you mentioned yeah. here a dual physician couple yes, that wasn't just are. yours yep. so right. and we don't Between have to go in, into yeah, that but that's right. it's something to, to be aware of but I, I do actually have um, clients and I have talked to people who have 500 themselves oh yeah and and that's not um, that's not sadly uncommon right. um, to, to have that so when I want to go back on the locums piece here there's there's pros and cons and, and thank you for highlighting some of the cons as, as you go through but are, are you treated differently because you're a locums doc do people obviously people know that you are but is there anything else that kind of goes into that maybe not financial that do you think would be a, uh, yeah
1: well um one thing is that when I've gotten to the site, everybody is so thankful that we're there. So I shared a, the position with another um, locum's doctor. It was basically a full-time position. So it was. I shared that with, with her, and there was a little bit of camaraderie between her and I because we were both the visiting doctors. But mm-hmm. the patients that were there were so appreciative that someone was coming to their town and they knew that they were they were on a wait list that was five, six months out. They weren't going to see a doctor. And then they got a call all of a sudden when the locums came that they could be moved up. So they knew that me being there was, you know, a great thing. So they were so appreciative.
0: Oh, that's nice. I mean, obviously your work means a ton. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing some amazing work and it's appreciated. But I think that's probably an extra... Next, a little extra motivation when you're like, oh, I gotta go credential, and I know I need money, but you know you're helping someone. Oh my
1: gosh, that's that's actually one of the perks of doing locums. I think is. Going someplace where they really need you, and they really do appreciate you being there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I mean, of course, you're not a permanent employee, so it is a little awkward. You know, it's like you don't really get to know the nurses. I think some people don't really want to make you know set up a little relationship, a professional relationship with you because they just know that you probably will be gone, so they don't want to put forth the emotional or the time or whatever to kind of like have that camaraderie and a professional level with a locum's doctor. It's a little sad. Yeah, exactly. But but on the other hand, it's like. People are so thankful that you're there that it, it makes up for not having you know a routine schedule and, and routine people that you're working with because the patients are just absolutely spectacular. So, yeah, it really actually helped me get a little bit more in touch with being a physician on Locums because of that feedback I got from the patients of they're just being happy that they didn't have to wait five or six months to see a doctor. That's really so. Um, so that was really really rewarding.
0: Mm-hmm. And. I know you've said it a couple times where it's not a permanent position, but it actually could yield a permanent position. This almost could be a way of like paying a way to do a working interview.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of positions, they are actually doing that. They want people to come and realize how great their program is. And I mean, that happened in the position where I was just working. I mean, it was a great place. The town was actually pretty cool. And it was definitely not a place where I would be like, that would be on my list of top 10 places to live in my life. For sure not, but... But when you get there and you see the people and and actually the facility was was nice and the patient population was really great actually I could see how it could be tempting I keep saying that to my husband about it's like no wouldn't you like to move to this little town the cost of living is so much better there and he, he just laughs at me because he's like no we're not moving <laughs>
0: yeah, it depends on his work life balance but if it if it isn't if it isn't a happy uh, sunshine kind of a, a picturesque. Uh, Thing then, then maybe he, he'd be more open yeah, to. Yeah, he it.
1: doesn't have a job there, so it's yeah, he has a different perspective for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I mean, that's got to be really difficult with dual physician families to be able to. I know some that have like gone through like into in couples match and all that. I mean, it's gonna it's yeah. you almost are forced to be in a bigger city in that, and oh, then oh, yeah, right, and then that hurts your negotiating power and Ugh. everything like that.
1: Oh, it's so frustrating when you have a two, yeah, two physician family when you're both looking for work because you feel like you want to be a package deal and. You can't always be a package deal, so you know locums might be a good option for someone um, where that's the situation where you there just isn't a job for one of the spouses, but uh, but one person has a job and the other doesn't. Do locums for a little while, you can kind of see how different places practice. You kind of get your feet wet in um, in your career and and in the business of medicine, and you'll be way more prepared so that if something comes up in your town, you'll you'll know what to look for and know what you want.
0: Could this be something that you know? As you're finishing training and you're like, you know, I don't know where I want to go. I know, obviously, you know what you're doing, but you don't know where you want to live. Could this be a good tool for those doing that?
1: Oh, I think, oh, definitely, definitely. And you can see different parts of the world or, well, not parts of the world. Some people go to New Zealand, but different parts of the country for sure, because I'm actually in the running right now or have my applications in for some jobs literally on each coast of the south the west, the east, and so I am so excited to figure, I mean, it's gonna be a surprise where I'm gonna go next, and all the places sound so fascinating to visit. And you never know what you're gonna find. I mean, I was in the middle of the United States in this little town, but it was a college town, and there was a lot of vibrancy in that little town. As I was there, I was like, "Wow, I could actually see myself living, living
0: here." Oh, that's neat. <laughs>
1: Too bad it won't work, yeah, for my husband and I. But it's like, yeah, it, it really gives you a chance to see different parts of the of the country and and different ways to practice medicine.
0: Uh, absolutely. So what's interesting is my wife Taylor did some locums work in the past, you know, year and uh, we were in vegas at the time and she was traveling to fresno they brought her up there they paid her actually quite well i think yeah. in personally i looked at it as like i think this is a little bit higher than than she would have uh, potentially had if it was a, a full time gig and I'm like, I don't know about Fresno. Like, are you sure? Not to knock on anyone from Fresno. <laughs> right, no, when
1: you just, right, but if, you, if you're not from there, you don't think of it as You don't know, that you and,
0: don't, and you don't yeah. think about it, and yeah, you're like, sure. oh, it's somewhere over there. I guess yeah. <laughs> it could be cool. But she got there, and she was like, the hospital is amazing. Right. No one would have thought that, but like, she, the hospital she was at, she really loved. She loved all the people, she thought it was fascinating. She had, it, it did help that she had a couple of friends that lived around the area. So she'd have oh, someone, but she was doing, you know, her, her normal eight hour shift. Then she would take call, which paid quite well right. to do that. She'd go up seven days and she'd come back home and then she'd have like 21 plus days off. And, and we have two little kids. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it got so she harder
1: was a stay-at-home mom for the rest of the time. But, yeah,
0: she How got to, she that? got to do that while still keeping her skills sharp and right. still doing it. And, um, she did a, a, a couple things over like holidays, so ho- got some holiday pay um, locally in town, but it was Gen Pedes. Yeah. Um, but you never know. I mean, that, that could have turned into a full time position.
1: Right. If it had worked out for your family, for sure. And was, yeah, it's a, it's a really kind of interesting and fun way to like try out a job before you even take it, which is kind of unique. Because definitely, especially when you're first graduating from residency or fellowship you really don't know what you're getting into at all with your first job and I mean that's the statistic right is that most people don't don't stay in their first job and that's because you just are so naive about what you want what you know what to expect and you get a lot of experience with the locums as you're going through especially if you go to a couple different sites
0: yeah I mean you're working so many hours and it's so hard and you're still trying to learn and figure things out and and then you're expected to know everything that's yeah I, I I I know firsthand but with my wife like that's really frustrating right for you but so i I always like to end the 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 i always like to end the show here with asking the experts one question so i'd like to ask you you know if a resident is listening to this right now and they're like you know i could give locums a try i haven't found anything i love i i don't know where i want to be what would your one piece of advice be to that resident listening right now
1: yeah, don't be afraid of locums. I think um, both physicians and hospitals both think of it as a little bit of, like a little sourly, a little look down a little bit on the locums position. doesn't, usually people when they don't volunteer and jump up and down say, yeah, that's what I wanna do. But actually it, it is a great way, as we had said, to explore different opportunities in different regions. And it's, it, yeah, don't be afraid of it. And And it's actually a really, really fun way to practice medicine.
0: Awesome. Well thank you so much for being on the show. It's an honor to talk with you, meet you in person here at FinCon. It's so Likewise. fun to kind of Likewise. nerd out with all, all of our money nerd friends. <laughs> yes. So it's been it's been amazing. Thank you so much again for being on. Thank you. Today we're going to be discussing an article that was posted on the site lifeofamedstudent.com titled, Top 5 Financial Mistakes I've Made During Residency. In it, the author discusses, just as the title suggests, his top 5 financial mistakes that he made during residency. We've mentioned several of these on the show already, and actually we've highlighted a few of these in detail, but I think having a recap from a physician's perspective who's actually comes clean and talks about some of the mistakes that they've made is an excellent way for the rest of us to learn. The first mistake he made was not funding his retirement accounts. And I quote, start the mindset to pay yourself first with retirement savings. Even if the amounts end up being relatively small, it's the mindset to establish now that will serve you well later. And he's right. Setting up good financial habits early in your career will help you throughout the rest of your financial journey. The second mistake he had was rolling over one whole life policy into another whole life policy. Ouch. Okay, so the first one really wasn't his fault as he starts to discuss because it was purchased when he was two. So he shows some of the math on actually what's going on. It was $100,000 coverage. It was costing about 425 bucks a year. And he told us it had some cash value of 14000 bucks. He then added up how much his parents had paid in premium, which he said was 12000 If you think about it, in his example, they didn't make that much of a return, about $2,000 over the past 28 years. That seems pretty typical um, as these products are loaded with fees and generally capped in returns, but I have no idea what he bought. So this is just my, I guess, general bias towards these products. Not only did he cancel this, but then he bought a universal life policy and he said that the sales pitch was excellent. Double ouch. This time it cost him 800 bucks, but all the cash value that he had is now locked away in this new policy, and if he surrendered it, due to all the high penalties and fees around that, it was now only going to be worth $2,000. Triple ouch. His third mistake was being underinsured, and I thought it was funny that he went from buying insurance and saying that this is now his third mistake was now being underinsured, but it's because he bought the wrong type of insurance. And it sounds like he figured this out a little bit late. And so what he's referring to in this one was the lack of disability and term insurance. We actually did an entire episode with Larry Keller on this back in April called winning tactics for finding the right insurance policy. So go back and check out that show. If you're interested in learning more about disability and term insurance, his fourth mistake was not having his attending contract professionally examined. And basically he's referring to the concept of getting a second opinion. And there's tons of horror stories out there and hopefully he isn't one of them, but based on his article, he had a fairly simple contract and was confident at the time that he understood it. In my opinion, it's always better to default to an expert that spends all day, every day doing any particular activity that I'm not an expert in. So having a second opinion would never hurt. And we actually have a show coming up in a few weeks with a physician contract expert. So stay tuned his fifth and final mistake was not knowing any of this in med school or residency. And he's saying, take the time to learn and understand what he was actually getting himself into. He talks about how some of his mistakes have cost him thousands of dollars, if not more in his lifetime. And he'd wish he put in some hard work to understand what is happening in his finances. Good news for all of you guys listening. You're actually putting in that work right now. So by putting in that time and effort, hopefully this won't be a mistake for you guys that you guys will share. What I really like about this article is how honest Charlie was on what he did wrong. And he actually gave a few real life examples and how it went bad and then how he kind of plans to fix them. In my experience, I see these mistakes a lot. You don't know what you don't know. And if you don't search for the answers and verify how it's applicable to your own financial circumstances, you have a higher probability of making a mistake just like Charlie did. So, Charlie, over at lifeofamedstudent.com, thank you so much for this article. I think you did an excellent job. We'll make sure to link it in the show notes. It's amazing how far we've come in the past year since the podcast first went live. Our community has been growing, the word is out, and I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. For those of you wondering, we didn't win the best new personal finance podcast, Plutus Award, this year. But it was an honor, honestly, just to be nominated. And while that might sound like something a non-winner would say, I'm not doing this for awards. This show is here for all of you to get inspired, to take action, and ownership over your finances. It's meant to aid you in the financial journey and to help you build a strong financial foundation. To arm you with the knowledge to protect yourselves from agents and advisors and anyone else trying to sell you products that you probably don't need. That's why this exists and the conversations and the emails that you send me, that's what's worth it for me to continue doing this. So please head to our Facebook group, financialresidency.com slash community, or subscribe to the email list to get updates on what's going on in our community and to receive actionable tips to help you master your finances. Keep an open mind as you listen to the podcast. There's a lot of financial advice out there on the airwaves, including what's given to you here. As great as that is, it's hard to know what information suits your financial needs the best because I really don't know anything about you. So consult your attorney, your CPA, or reach out to me, a fee-only financial planner, before taking any action or making decisions affecting your hard-earned stash. Next week, we have a great show planned with our special guest, Chris Mamula from Can I Retire Yet? Have a great rest of your week. Until next time. Cheers.